Welcome to John Bound Politics. This was the week of the second impeachment circus, courtesy of the arrogant nutjobs protecting their corporatic base versus the we the people populist outcry we witnessed on January 6th. Now, I know that sounds like heresy, but we can't be selective of what we've experienced over the past four years, especially the last two. And I could tell many people were turned off about even checking in on the pointless kangaroo impeachment that is clearly wasting time and tax dollars while America dies. But according to The Hollywood Reporter, TV coverage of the trial on Tuesday afternoon averaged 11 million viewers on ABC and CBS and three main news outlets, CNN, Fox, and MSNBC. The first day of Trump's previous impeachment trial also drew 11 million viewers across six networks, including NBC, MSNBC, that grabbed the largest audience. So apparently 11 million people are either curious or are getting their last fix of Trump derangement syndrome mainlining the delusion while it's still in its rawest, purest form. This is likely the last gasp for MSNBC and CNN, whose ratings plummeted as soon as Biden assumed the position, while liberal lapdogs like Jim Acosta desperately give the public needed updates on the golfing habits of Donald Trump. The impeachment managers want all of the plebes to get it through our tiny little skulls that their Biden patriarchy is now in charge. Impeaching a president after he's left office should appear completely in the confines of our Constitution, even though a fifth grader could argue it isn't. And millions of fifth graders probably are, as they're confined to their homes. Lawmakers from both parties are furious with Capitol Police after the worst security breach at the U.S. Capitol since the War of 1812. It came during a historic day of chaos and bloodshed, something not seen in the U.S. Capitol since the War of 1812. It's not the first time lawmakers have been evacuated from the floors of the House and Senate. Think back to 9-11. And it's not the first time the U.S. Capitol has fallen under attack. It's happened once before in the War of 1812. I can only think of two times in American history that individuals laid siege to our capital, stormed our sacred civic spaces, and tried to upend and overrun this government. One was in the War of 1812, and the other one was today. Impeachment manager Cicilline painted a doom and gloom hyperbolic version of the riots on January 6th. The loss of human life is, of course, the most consequential. But that was not the only damage wrought that day. The Trump mob also damaged this building. They defiled some of the most sacred places. The Statuary Hall, the Rotunda, where some of America's greatest champions, presidents, Supreme Court justices, civil rights heroes, and other defenders are honored after their death. Trump's violent mob had little respect for this place. This video shows the wreckage left in the Senate parliamentarian's office by the insurrectionists. Anyone can clearly see that his best evidence is an office with papers scattered all over the floor, something the aides and custodial staff could clean up in about 15 minutes hardly equal to British General Robert Ross torching the Capitol in 1814 along with the White House, a Capitol that suffered extensive damage and was only extinguished by a stroke of providence 
as the heavens opened up and delivered what some reported as either a hurricane or a tornado. A bust of President Zachary Taylor was smeared with what appeared to be blood. An empty picture frame, presumably robbed of its contents, was found on the floor. And videos of the insurrection captured one man stealing a framed photo, another one tearing a scroll from the wall and ripping it up and throwing those pieces on the floor. A sign paying tribute to John Lewis was also shamefully destroyed. And only a broken piece of the memorial was found on the ground next to a trash can. The photo of Mr. Lewis was gone. The damage done to this building is a stain on all of us and on the dignity of our democracy. The attack we saw had a purpose. Stop the certification. Stop our democratic process. Fortunately, they did not prevail. Newspapers across America on January 21st, the day after the inauguration, proclaimed democracy has prevailed. President Biden said that in his inauguration speech. The headline was in so many places because the world's oldest constitutional democracy and the principles underlying it had been attacked and challenged. This wasn't just an attack on the Capitol building and the dedicated people inside. It was an attack on what we were elected to preserve, our democracy. This attack on our elections, on the peaceful transfer of power from one president to the next, didn't even happen during the Civil War. But it did just happen because of the cold, calculated, and conspiratorial acts of our former president, Donald J. Trump. We showed you that the insurrectionists were deliberate, that they came looking for Vice President Pence and Speaker Pelosi ready to kill. When President Trump incited a lawless mob to attack our process, he was attacking our democracy. Another manager, Diana DeGette, if I said that right, used the opportunity to push the conspiracy theory that all 50 U.S. capitals were under imminent threat of attack by domestic violent extremists. These were scenes that played out all over the country. Five days following the siege on the Capitol on January 11, 2021, the FBI warned that, quote, armed protests are being planned at all 50 state capitals from 16 January through at least 20 January and at the U.S. Capitol from 17 January through 20 January. As a result, at least 21 states activated their National Guards in preparation for potential attacks. President Trump's incitement has reverberated around the country, prompting massive law enforcement mobilization in several state capitals, including Washington, Illinois, Michigan, and Georgia. Look at these photos. This is what Donald Trump has done to America. This massive deployment of law enforcement has cost the taxpayers dearly. The National Guard deployment to DC alone is expected to cost at least $480 million. The bills are already also racking up in the states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Utah, and Wisconsin have each spent about a half a million dollars to safeguard their capitals in the run-up to the inauguration. Ohio 
spent $1.2 million over the same two-week period. And remember, this is at a time when state budgets are already suffering under the weight of the pandemic. Our brave service members showed up. Thanks to their dedication and their vigilance, the inauguration and the days leading up to it mercifully proceeded without incident. In fact, after news broke of law enforcement's preparedness for further attacks, leaders of the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters Militia, the organizers of the Million MAGA March, they all now told their followers to avoid protests up to or leading up to the inauguration for fear that law enforcement would crush them and arrest rioters who showed up. Thank God there wasn't an insurrection sequel here on January 20th. But look at the price we've paid, the price that we're still paying. It's not just dollars and cents. This capital has become a fortress, as state, capital, state capitals have all across the country. Our constituents no longer have access to the elected representatives. Every Democrat and Republican, including people who came here on January 6th peacefully, is paying the price. And it's not just a loss of access. It's a dimming of their freedom. It's a dimming of all of our freedom. We must uphold our oaths, as the tens of thousands of law enforcement officers have done in the wake of January 6th. Because if we do not, President Trump's mob stands ready for more attacks. Of course, nobody in their right mind would have showed up after January 6th, and they didn't. It's actually her claims that pose an imminent threat to anyone exercising their First Amendment rights going forward, as the left has been calling over the past few weeks for re-education camps, drone strikes on Americans, and clumsily labeling pissed-off, broke, disenfranchised, good Americans as domestic, violent extremists. The Mockingbird Media's anti-American privileged twits are casually calling for the drone strike of a former American president. We had a policy, and it was very controversial, it was carried out under the Bush years and under the Obama years, of attacking terrorism at its root, of going after and killing um, and in the case of Amr al-Awlaki, an American, a Yemeni American, with a drone strike for the crime of inciting violence, inciting terrorism. How does Mitch McConnell, who understands that the way you root out terrorism is to take on, in the case of Islamic terrorism, kill those who incite it, how does he not vote to convict someone that he said, on the floor of the Senate, incited an insurrection? Former CIA director John Brennan is declaring open season on Americans. No, looking forward that the members of the, the Biden team who have been nominated or have been appointed are now moving in laser-like fashion to try to uncover as much as they can about what looks very similar to insurgency movements that we've seen overseas, mm -hmm. where they germinate in different parts of a country and they gain strength and it brings together an unholy alliance frequently of religious, ex religious extremists, authoritarians, fascists, bigots, uh, racists, nativists, uh, even libertarians. We're witnessing the cancer culture purge being kicked into overdrive here. And with that, I'm going to roll the last two reports that make two points. First, if the Senate moronically voted to impeach Donald Trump, it would open the door for an institutional cancel culture 
that would impeach every former official they have issue with, punching holes in our history and the foundational lessons we've all learned from it, like the adults we are wearing the big pants. The second report is a question no one has the huevos to ask. That question is, how responsible are the Democrats for driving a range of outraged Americans from CEOs to Boy Scouts to FBI members, to police, a broad spectrum of Americans to storm the Capitol, to breach the Capitol, a Capitol they thought their tax dollars paid for. And do we really know what their intentions were once they breached the Capitol? Was it just a protest? These are questions that need to be asked instead of inflamed and spun in order to bring this country back to the unity Joe Biden keeps claiming he represents. We have to start asking the questions they don't want you to ask. That is where the truth dwells. Ambiguity. All the self-anointed experts of the Constitution keep saying that the Constitution is ambiguous enough to impeach a former president for a vague interpretation of the intention of his words. Some of my Republican colleagues have latched on to a fringe legal theory that the Senate does not have the constitutional power to hold a trial because Donald Trump is no longer in office. This argument has been roundly debunked by constitutional scholars from the left, right, and center. If the president is impeached, the unambiguous text of the Constitution commands that the Chief Justice of the United States shall preside. In this case, the Chief Justice clearly is not presiding. The constitutional text itself is ambiguous. It could be read one, one way or the other. Well, then wouldn't that mean that everything written in the Constitution is ambiguous and open to politically motivated interpretation? In particular... Article 1, Section 6 regarding the legislature reads, The senators and representatives shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses. That's right. Privileged from arrest except for treason. Eric Swalwell who has used his office to promote Beijing's talking points, almost word for word, ones that matter, by the way, a man who admits to a close personal relationship with an actual Chinese spy who helped him get elected to Congress, raised money for him, and put an intern, probably another spy, in his office, that man continues to serve on the House Intelligence Committee where he has unrestricted access to classified information. Felony. Tara Reid was a 29-year-old staff assistant in Joe Biden's Senate office in 1993 when she says aides told her to bring him his gym bag. I was up against the wall and I remember his hands underneath my blouse and underneath my skirt and his fingers penetrating me as he was kiss, trying to kiss me and I was pulling away. And breach of the peace. They're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before election day in November and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not. You're seeing leaders on on the right calling it out. You're not seeing any leaders on the left calling it out. In fact, you're seeing some of the leaders on the left 
inciting more violence, calling on more violence instead of saying there's no place for it. A Second Amendment supporter pointed out that Swalwell once called for gun owners to surrender their assault weapons. The congressman tweeting this response, quote, and it would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. If we interpret the Constitution as the bleeding heart Democrats relentlessly insist we do, then their arrests should be swift and their prison terms should be very long. Let's start with the text of the Constitution, which in Article 1, Section 2 gives the House the sole power of impeachment when the president commits high crimes and misdemeanors. We exercised that power on January 13th. The president, it is undisputed, committed his offense while he was president. And it is undisputed that we impeached him while he was president. There can be no doubt that this is a valid and legitimate impeachment. But the argument that you lack jurisdiction rests on a purely fictional loophole. Purely fictional. Designed to allow the former president to escape all accountability for conduct that is truly indefensible. So is this claim that there's a slippery slope uh, to impeaching private citizens if you proceed. The trial of a former official for abuses he committed as an official, arising from an impeachment that occurred while he was an official, poses absolutely no risk whatsoever of subjecting a private citizen to impeachment for their private conduct. Their Trump derangement syndrome-inspired arguments don't hold up to the textual common sense interpretation of the Constitution. An impeachment trial of a private citizen Trump held before the Senate would be nothing more nor less than the trial of a private citizen by a legislative body. An impeachment trial by the Senate of a private citizen violates Article 1, Section 9 of the United States Constitution, which provides that no bill of attainder shall be passed. The bill of attainder, as this clause is known, <clears throat> prohibits Congress from enacting a law that legislative determ legislatively determines guilt and inflicts punishment upon an identifiable individual without provision of the protections of a judicial trial. A bill of attainder is a legislative act which inflicts punishment without a judicial trial. A judicial trial. Let's turn to a reading of the text now. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for, conviction of, treasury, tre treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. From which office shall a non-president be removed if convicted? A non-president doesn't hold an office, therefore cannot be impeached under this clause, which provides for the removal from office of the person under the impeachment attack. What the Democrats have presented is the ultimate weapon of cancel culture. As their minions erase history, toppling statues of presidents like Teddy Roosevelt, for example. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on Sunday said the city was in favor of the request from the museum to remove the statue because it, quote, depicts black and indigenous people as subjugated and racially inferior. The unhinged left-wing mob is trying to vandalize our history desecrate our monuments, our beautiful monuments, and persecute anyone who does not conform to their demands for absolute and total 
control. We're not conforming. That's why we're here, actually. Is there any doubt that they would have the trust buster erased from American presidential history and every other president they deem deplorable? John Bound reporting. Congress protected by an invisible wall of denial, hubris, and a literal barbed wire fence is hurling all the blame they can eke out of one-sided media clips back in the face of We the People. This was never about one speech. He built this mob over many months with repeated messaging until they believed that they had been robbed of their vote and they would do anything to stop the certification. He made the he made them believe that their victory was stolen and incited them so he could use them to steal the election for himself. The Democrats are trying to steal the White House. You cannot let them. Choreographing a case blaming President Trump for months of incitement that led to the events on January 6th. Rigged election doesn't say why the election is rigged. November 17, in a Twitter statement, dead people voted. That's it. No evidence. And in a few cases, records showed the dead actually voting. John Henry Jonikin voted in the local election last month. This is from Dallas County's own database. But Mr. Jonikin's family tells us that he died of cancer at Parkland Hospital back in 2005. The Macomb County Clerk's Office delayed mailing her death certificates of people who'd passed away between October 9th and 26th. The result, their 10 absentee votes sent out before their deaths still being counted. An investigation revealed someone from Columbia tried to register more than a dozen dead people as Democratic voters in Florida. Madeline Dean portrayed the plight of the Congress as an isolated incident. In this country, we can appropriately challenge a close count or go to the courts or disagree with others or make bold statements but what Trump was doing was different. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. Mr. Sterling saw what Trump's conduct was fomenting. He warned him on live TV that violence was already happening and that more violence was foreseeable and inevitable. Sterling's pleas were played over and over on every network. But if we dig further back, Four years back, it is the left that has been bullying, inciting, threatening, and supporting an unyielding attack on average Americans that have had all they can take. The events on January 6th were the breaking point. Where was this level of concern and emotion for the hundreds of residences threatened by Democratic supporters in streets across America? Because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. 
That is reparation. You get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. What you seen in Portland and in Baltimore and in Ferguson, Missouri is about to happen tonight whether you like it or not. For the family businesses, torched. Just total carnage. I, I just don't understand why why this something like this would happen. For the people murdered. You hear a single gunshot in the middle of this interview. The suspect is a private security guard hired by Nine News as a contractor tasked with protecting its staff at the protest. One man shot and killed during a Black Lives Matter protest. Two Louisville police officers are recovering, shot during unrest overnight that gripped much of the city's downtown. An assassin cowardly shot two Federal Protective Service contractors as they stood watch over a protest. Looters were ransacking the shop. They shot and killed David in cold blood and then live streamed his execution and his last moments on earth. They executed my partner. They hunted him down. They hunted us down. They recognized our Patriot prayer hats. For the politicians on the other side of the aisle, attack. You can't say Brianna's name, man. Come on now. Ryan Paul won't even say her name. Ryan Paul won't even say her name. Ryan, you are Mobs of Democrats, they either ignored, supported, or bailed out. We are resisting the fascism. We're not allowing them to just take over our streets. So you're hearing from, from two members of um, Antifa. They said they're, you know, in a different group, but it is linked to Antifa. Um, and their thoughts on what the president has said and their thoughts on what the right has said. I actually believe, as a former prosecutor, that Black Lives Matter has been the most significant agent for change um, within the criminal justice system because it has been a counterforce to the force within the system that is so grounded in, in, in status quo and in its own traditions. Not to mention that 60% of those that breached the Capitol were experiencing desperate financial difficulties as a result of the shutting down of the economy due to their fumbling of coronavirus relief. It's been since March that we passed the CARES Act and we've tried a number of times to try to pass additional relief. But again, we know that uh, the intervening election has been a, pr a problem because uh, some people saw benefits to not solving the problem um, and that that would somehow gain them advantage at the ballot box. I want to be very clear. Those who perform these reprehensible acts cannot be called protesters. No. These were rioters and insurrectionists, goons and thugs, domestic terrorists. They weren't protesters. Don't dare call them protesters. They were a riotous mob, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists. It just goes to show how clueless everyone up in the big old country club we call the U.S. Capitol is. And if any of them ever experience a moment of clarity, then maybe the voice of the American people could actually be heard. Thanks for tuning in to John Baum Politics. Please subscribe if you haven't already at dailynewscollective.com. 
It is our mission to bring you some semblance of truth in this crumbling once great republic that has spiraled into a corporocratic monoculture on the verge of disaster. You can find us at dailynewscollective.com, John Bound Reports on Rumble.com, John Bound Politics on YouTube, Bound Reports on Band.video, and as always, a big thanks to HCUniversalNetwork.com. Good night, America, wherever you are.